0: Facts don't move, that's the thing about facts. <laughs> they don't move at all? Yeah, they, don't, they don't move. <laughs> it's just the facts all the time. Yeah. Facts only. Yep. And I'm talking about digital transference of paper through a machine, faxes. Oh, so you're not talking about like true statements. You're no, talking about No, always faxes. Okay. It's my game.
1: Okay. What was more annoying growing up? Was it having to log off of uh, AIM to take a phone call? Or was mm. it being on the phone and being interrupted because you were getting a fax?
0: I think AIM shortened out on you, definitely. I mean, every high school kid knows, like, you're building your jokes, you're doing your set on AIM. Uh, you know, you're trying to convince your girlfriend to sneak out of her house, whatever it may wow. be. And then, and then the phone call comes through and just chops the internet line in out. <laughs> Like it's like a like Highlander comes through and just whoosh, <laughs> takes you right off the internet immediately and you're, you're about to ask like, Marla out and all ah, of a sudden not. I just sent the do you like me wire in with the question mark at the end. It's because your dad's boss is trying to get a yeah, phone call cause in at yeah. 8 o'clock because my, my dad's trying to get a hold of his bookie or something <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was that was devastating and then I was talking to somebody about this the other day uh, I got my own like Split phone line In my room Okay I don't remember why like Or Like different number
1: Or was it the same number Just you could kind of The internet wouldn't interrupt you It's a great
0: question I don't know But I remember It might have been A completely different number And I l- went to high school In such a small town That everybody's number Started 903482 And you just fill in The final four numbers For their Their house So it's not that hard To like get You know Like I remember Three of my best friend's Phone numbers Yeah just because there was such a small town, but I remember I'm my friends' phone numbers because I have so few friends. <laughs> had a hard time on your top eight on MySpace. Yeah, yeah. you're like putting brands. You're like I'm gonna have McDonald's. to to
1: top four. Yeah, <laughs> I, I always left Tom in there. Oh yeah, not because it was a bit, but because Shout I only had seven Shout out Tom. Friends. Yeah, what's up, Tom? Um,
0: yeah, but I remember having a got my own personal line where you could just talk to girls on the phone all the time. What a dream. Uh, back when people actually used phones. Do you even use your phone for phone calls anymore? Not really. I mean, to talk to my parents. It's startling. Yeah. When someone actually calls you that isn't like a, a creditor or something. Or I'm a kind scam. of a
1: caller and people don't really answer my calls, but yeah. nobody calls me. I mean, even like, so mm. I live in an apartment and you have to, I have to go downstairs to open the gate to let them in. I can't yeah. do it remotely. Sounds fancy. And, and people will still, no, it's not. And people will still text me whenever they're there. Yeah. And it's like, if I don't have my phone on me right now,
0: the you could be sitting
1: down there for 15 minutes, you know?
0: But if you don't have your phone, are you going to hear it ring? Do you leave it on loud? Well, no, but the, the, the
1: vibration on the phone is so, it's like a bzzz, Oh, bzzz. mine's
0: completely dead silent. Oh, wow. You don't even have the vibration my, on? My phone is not making any noise at all. Wow. It's, it it's going to sit there. If it lights up, I'll, I'll grab it. But otherwise, there's no there's no vibrating, there's no noise coming out of it. So you're not even prepared for a phone call. I'm evolved. <laughs> no, no, no. If you've called me, there's less than 5% chance I'm answering that phone. Oh, man. No, see, that would not fly with my mom. And most of the time, it's face down. Like, I'm like... Yeah, so you just don't even lives. know. Yeah. You don't
1: even know. When was the last time you checked your voicemail? And I, I don't mean, like, oh. saw that you had a message. I mean, when was the last time that you dialed, that you pushed one and held <laughs> it down and listened to the message? No.
0: No. I was it any time in the last year? It's before iPhones, I think. No. Are you serious? Yeah, I don't call my voicemail. <laughs> like if you if Oh my god. Once you got once the iPhone came out it had like the voicemail tab, right? And you just hit it and you see all your little list of voicemails, messages, and you just hit play and they play. Yeah, when was the last time you did that? Oh that's that's easy. Like you can go. Are you what are you, Samsung man? Uh yeah. So you go over here and you, it just goes voicemail, right? Okay. So I got a voicemail from Nate Newton. Oh wow, wow. <laughs> got a this whole
1: <laughs> this whole conversation is an elaborate way to set up a brag. I got gotcha. Okay. Look at me.
0: Got a voicemail from Sean Springs. Wow. Former okay. NFL cornerback. No, that doesn't happen. Like you just go here and you hit play. There's a place. lot of athletes who just don't like you. They're yeah, just like they're just fighting me, challenging to me to even the score. Fights on bridges <laughs> in the middle of the night. No. It's uh obviously I used to work for the Cowboys, so a lot of relationships with dudes. another brag yeah
1: i mean my goodness just racking them up We've been talking for five minutes <laughs> <be and> g- <laughs> you've you're friends with athletes you're mm. enemies with athletes you have a cool phone and you convinced uh, people to sneak out of their house to to come hang out with you whenever you were 12 look at me yeah hey there's mark cuban that's another brag that's the first time i've seen <laughs> him. my in goodness here. i wonder if he would come on the podcast i don't know this is numbers on the boards by the way
0: oh hey did we start <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> I'm trying, Jennifer.
1: I'm Bobby Corella. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is Mike Marshall. Hey, guys. We're actually displaced from our, our normal uh, studio. It's this is a little used. weird. Yeah, for what seemed like a pretty important conversation because our, our, our studio is remote in our office, mm-hmm. uh, it's very far away from everything and everybody. Um, it's being used. So they like about, it that way. Yeah, we're about 15 feet away from it right now.
0: Um, <laughs> just scowling at the people using it. Yeah, just staring them down. It's really uncomfortable. I'm going to over them the entire time. They're going to get nothing done in this meeting. They can
1: hear you talking, probably, yeah. honestly. Although I there is a, a very loud like industrial fan going on in the background. So
0: Yeah, I definitely feel like I could uh, break out like a circular saw and get some work done in this <laughs> space.
1: It's very... Yeah, it's very... Uh, it's like open but there's a lot of
0: stuff. You know, there's just a lot of stuff. It's that open floor plan that your wife is dreaming about. It's definitely loft it's style. Not these walls out. Yeah, there's there's not many the walls. Backyard.
1: There are a few columns. There are a lot of tables. And by a lot I mean like most of this room is table. We got 3 tables per person. I honestly
0: that's that's I'm not short. exaggerating. There's probably
1: 15 tables per person. Like
0: I got my morning table, I got my midday <laughs> table, and I got my afternoon desk. Here comes Aria. You don't have to just say things that you're looking at. Well, you t- <laughs> talked about Cuban. To me, well, Aria important. is just as interesting. Mark Cuban's important to the team. The tables in Aria are not important to this. Aria is verified. Numbers I'm trying to
1: set the scene, man. <laughs> I'm trying to set the scene. So, uh, job, so yeah, we're doing this in a an uncommon unusual environment but we have a a very usual usually good show yeah we kicked skin off already I've been here two weeks and skin's gone. So yeah, he's making power plays and money moves. Yeah, no, skin is uh, in California training the Cowboys during training camp. He's he's <laughs> teaching them a thing or two. <laughs> he's holding the bench. Yeah, he's explaining he's the, the difference between cover two and cover three. <laughs> no, he's he's cutting up the tape and doing all that
0: stuff. So now this is an okie front, guys. You got to shift over a little bit. I just want to see skin running a defense. <laughs> do you think Do you think he's more defensive or uh, offensive? Who's he motivated? Basketball. I think he's definitely an offensive guy. Yeah. Def- I'd like to know what he played in high school. Did he play football? I don't know. That's did you that's play my football? Question. Yeah. What'd you play? Uh, tight end and defensive end. Okay. Yeah. You kind of have the like edge. the you have the size for that. Yeah. I was the same height. I was just like fifty pounds lighter, and uh, that translated very well to running around and catching footballs yep. in three A high school in 3A? football. Okay.
1: Yeah. 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 I bet you were a star. Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, I don't know. I don't know I if don't you're going to believe football. this. I did not play football. Oh no. Yeah, uh, believe it or not. Well, so, uh, but that's soft. not to say I'm not tough. It's <laughs> not to say I'm not a. Let me menace. get out in front
0: of this one. I am tough. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I just want to put that rumor to bed. Yeah. I am hard-nosed. Basketball, uh, though. Soccer. I I played basketball through uh, when I was 15, and then I had to make the decision that so many other people <laughs> had to make between basketball and band. Chess club. No, not chess club. I was never any good at chess. I know that's probably a genuine shock. Some kids
0: didn't have to choose, though. Like, some kids – we had a kid that was, like, our starting center for the longest time on varsity football. And halftime, he wouldn't be in there for the, uh, the adjustments, you know, when the coach comes in and throws something and then starts writing crap on a board. Yep. He's out there playing the tuba. Yeah, he's 8 to 5. I was five like, dude, you are incredible. Yeah. Like, I had so much respect for him. People were like, what a dork. We'll quit <laughs> no, band. man.
1: Our starting quarterback, my senior year of high school, this guy Tarek Edwards, he's one of my best friends. He played quarterback and trombone. What a hero. Yeah, and he was, like, legit good at trombone.
0: Those are the kids that are going to, like, own companies yeah. by age 30. Like, those yeah. are legit heroes.
1: Yeah, but my school, so I went to Louisville, which is a big school, but not... Shout out farmers. Not big people go there, right? It's It's mostly... For short it's people? just a lot of I don't know there's never been a lot of size there, hmm. so the tallest guy that ever went to my school that was on the basketball team uh, was this guy who was like six foot six that's pretty tall so yeah, that's tall, but he wasn't like big you know was yeah. just kind of skinny kid five so still. um yeah five that's a I think even six a now still, yeah. but uh yeah so there's never been a lot of size there uh so on my freshman year basketball team, I was the tallest kid on the team I'm like I was oh like six gosh. one six two at that time, so I was playing against centers and power mm. forwards. And that's fine, freshman year. But then I look at yeah. like the JV team and the varsity team, and I think well, that is not going to be me in two years. <laughs> I'm not going to get dunked on routinely, mm. so I'm pretty good at trumpet. I'm just going to do that instead right. of basketball. So that was kind of the end of my uh, pro my my pro career, if you will. <laughs> well, it worked out for you, all right. I'd yeah, say. It, it seemed to work out okay. Uh, yeah, not not that band. I mean, band correlated. I think band teaches you a lot of stuff. I would encourage people to. With their kids their band did you ever get to pick your own number on the basketball team you know i did what they did is uh they just set out so every year was different right i, I can't remember how they did it in middle school but i think high school what they did is they just set all the jerseys on the ground yeah. and they basically just said like go seniors
0: get it. go yeah juniors go if there's any sophomores or freshmen you get last pick so you end up with 55 or something yeah crazy. i think
1: i might have been 41 I was really? I was either forty one. Y'all,
0: y'all had odd numbers. Yeah, yeah. I was either forty one, oh, twenty, yeah, or fourteen. Y'all five or every 6A, yeah. yeah. Every
1: time I ever played basketball, Dude,
0: we had like the same exact. And I grew up in Arlington, then we moved to a little tall, little town called Van Alstein in eighth grade, which was it's just like a two A farm town. Mm. Uh, eventually got up to three A, but anyway, they had the same jerseys like since uh, the original Footloose came out. Um, <laughs> okay. And it was just even numbers. There was like 0, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, and then it jumped to like 30, 32, 34. And that's like the only numbers that Did existed. the school down the road get the odds or something? Yeah, they probably bought a uh, combo pack with Anna High School and <laughs> split. Y'all get, the, y'all get the odds, we get the evens. Um, so, yeah, I was, I mean, I got put on varsity, I think. I made. They maybe practice with the varsity sophomore year. So I just picked – I got last pick, and I had 32. And I was like, well, this is as close as I can get to the number I want, which is 33. So Why I 33? L- Were you a big Gary Trent fan? <laughs> no. Uh, Larry Bird. Oh, okay. Larry okay. Bird,
1: obviously. Um, I would say the best 33s are Bird and then Gary Trent. And then Gary Trent, won, right? Too. Yeah. Which and might Tony not. honestly, that, that might be true. I mean, in basketball, at least.
0: Best Tony 33s. Tony Dorsett was 33? Yeah. Tony Dorsett was 33 um, – I don't know a lot else. of football, like old football. It's not that popular of a number besides Larry Bird. We um, can probably look it up on basketball reference, like best ever wear 33.
1: Maybe that's why it's not very popular. Because
0: Bird just killed it.
1: But really in basketball, I mean, even, so Jordan wore 23, uh-huh. and even that is kind of a high number. Right. Know? Like a lot, it's a lot of single digit numbers in basketball.
0: Well, I feel like you kind of get stuck with a number freshman year of basketball, and it's whatever number's left on the bench. Yeah. You know, and you just grab it and put it on.
1: And then you're really good, so you think, well, I'm... Right. You know, I was really good at number 17, so I'm just going to yeah, be Yeah, I'm just going to stick with this. Yeah, for the rest of my life.
0: I probably would have grabbed 40 if I had the opportunity, because I was a really big Sean Kim fan, too. Okay. Really uh, similar players, you know, Larry Bird and Sean Kim. <laughs> so oh, my
1: God. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was number 33. Oh, so.
0: in the whole thing. Sharif Abdur-Rahim. Yeah, yeah.
1: The great Ryan Anderson.
0: <laughs> okay. Is he the uh, only one wearing it right now. Larry Bird, you Trevor might have heard Booker, of him. Trevor Booker, okay, solid. Uwe Blob,
1: former Mav. Uh huh. Um, let's see. Brew Crew. Uh, compelling, compelling content right Zach now. Zach Collins, I see you. Antonio Daniels. Yeah, I know. I got his number too. You want to call him? Oh, Patrick Ewing. Good guy. Oh, yeah, he's a good player. We really got to learn some <laughs> history. Mark Gasol. Yeah. Uh, You might have heard of that guy, too. Big Squishy. (laughs) Uh, Brendan Haywood. Yeah. NBA champion, Brendan Haywood. He's a champ. Grant Hill was solid, too. The great Grant Hill. Oh, Antoine Jameson. Sixth man of the year. Those Grant Hill feelers changed the game.
0: What's that? The Grant Hill feelers. The shoes. Oh, the shoe? Yeah, because everybody else's signature shoe. Like, Jordans were too expensive growing up. Like, I couldn't save up, like... 2 months worth of uh, allowance and go buy some Jordans cuz I'd still be like halfway there. But the <laughs> Grand Hill Felas were like, I don't know, 75 buck and I was like, I can do this. Yeah. I definitely had a couple pair of Grand Hill Feelas. You ever get a triple double wearing those? Or at least a double double no. or just a double? I did I did rack up some double doubles. Okay. I don't think I ever got a triple double.
1: Uh, two other ones that we should remember. Uh, Scotty Pippen. Oh, yeah. Who was pretty he good. He played. Yeah, and Alonzo Mourning.
0: Yeah, Zoe so was... Zoe, Zoe's career goes, like, way underrated. Yeah. Zoe was so good. And he didn't... He had, like, some kind of medical issue that kind of took him out in his prime. I believe a couple different surgeries. Yeah. Like a kidney issue or something. Yeah, but his...
1: I mean, if your peak was also Michael Jordan's peak... Yeah. That's same with the only thing with
0: Ewing. Like, people forget how stinking good Patrick Ewing was. Like, I mean besides david robinson like maybe the best center of that era but you don't remember it because okay yeah look at the shiny thing Mm -hmm. but that's all i'm gonna say about patrick ewing right now yeah (laughs) i mean this isn't a 90s podcast no you know we can
1: talk about all kinds of 90s stuff though if you want uh i was alive in the 90s
0: but how old are you let me guess okay night 27
1: yes oh cool I believe I told someone out loud that I'm 27 yesterday, so you might have just heard that. Was I there? Uh, It was here, so you were probably Hmm. here. Did I have my headphones on? Uh, Probably. (laughs) Rocking out. Yeah, this is definitely a headphones office. Yeah.
0: Listening to the Godzilla soundtrack at my my (laughs) desk. (laughs) You're not listening to the (laughs) Meg soundtrack? That's all I listen to (laughs) is the Godzilla soundtrack. Found it on Spotify and now (laughs) it's all I listen to. Oh my God uh okay
1: so you want to talk about some basketball uh, i mean we, we have been but yeah. do you want to continue talking about basketball
0: i don't know if that was a rhetorical or oh yeah i was asking of course i mean i agreed to do the podcast so yes
1: <laughs> you did yeah you did okay um we'll you're back. eventually going to have your own too I, you've been on like three episodes in a row of of ours and it's kind of like you know yeah. are you trying to mark your territory or are you just are you building up hype for something no. else what's happening
0: i mean here's my theory with And this happens with radio shows as well, as I did radio for a long time. If there's one, if it's a two-man show, right? Then if one of the proper hosts is there, it's still that show. Mm -hmm. So if you're still here hosting, then it's still numbers on the board. Um, Same thing for, you know, like on the ticket or on the fan or whatever. If if half or a majority of the hosts are still there, it's still that proper show. So if there's three-man show, if two of them are still there... It's still that show. So it's yep. still numbers on the board. Um, but we are going to start putting together the schedule of how we want to roll out the new podcasts. Um, new podcast plural? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. More than one. Um, and if you've listened to my older podcasts, whether it's the four pointer or uh, stuff on the ticket or whatever, it's uh, going to be a lot of that style. Probably um, the first one we're going to do is me and Jake Kemp and Brian Damaris. So. We'll get that up running closer to the season. Um, Probably first week September, I hope. Okay. Um, Media day is September 21st. So basketball is almost a month away. Yep. And then opening night, October 17th, we're trying to get you uh, in the habit of checking out our podcast every day because we're going to put something great out there for you every day. If you're a fan of the Mavericks or NBA content in general, just add this to your your little golf bag of... You know, whatever you listen to, game theory with Sam Vicini, The Ringers has a bunch of products, numbers on the board, and the rest of the stuff we're gonna add. Just throw it in your little, uh, in your little booklet. Boom. That's my pitch. That's my sales pitch. You sold me. Yeah. I'm ready to. I'm ready to buy the podcast that I'm on. They're f- free. Okay. So. Okay. But I mean, I'm listening. If you wanna start charging. <laughs> well, wow. Okay. Well, we can talk. <laughs> I'm here for it. We can talk.
1: Um, okay. So we have a couple things we want to talk about. We'll just see what we get to. Yeah. Um, but I have a bunch of stats. So this is I want this to be like really dorky nerdy stuff. Okay. A lot of the times whenever we we talk on this podcast, it's a lot of let's talk about cool. this for well n- yeah well skin <laughs> is really cool but it's like we cool talk guy. about something for a few minutes that so we have a player on or we have a guest on so uh-huh. like we just don't get the time to just go like. Way deep, way nerdy, way dorky, and just like really kind of get our glasses. I'm just gonna
0: stare at Cuban until he comes on the podcast.
1: Okay, okay, he'll he'll talk stats with us. I bet he has an injured hand. It would appear he's a big synergy fan. Probably from dunking. From dunking, dunking too much. He's, he does have a jump shot. I gotta say, I, I don't know. Doubt if it, if you see the videos of him shooting, uh, beat me right now. He aims. Oh yeah, no for sure. He he'd take you down in horse. <coughs> um, so
0: we want to get real real deep into the. And yeah, yeah, thicket.
1: real nerdy, and, and uh, Machine, I know you're very cool too, but I also know that you uh, that cool. you have a knack for numbers, so, yeah. and uh, also, I mean, just knowing the game, right, it's not just, we're not just talking spreadsheets here, we're not just talking spreadsheets, <laughs> we're talking
0: basketball. They're saber metrics. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I use numbers in the sense of, uh, okay, I see something on the court, I'm not sure that what I see makes sense or I draw some hypothesis from it and honestly I use um you know offensive rating pace things like that to kind of tell me what a team's trying to do what their game theory is that's what interests me the most is okay you know in a basketball game there's going to be 97 98 possessions that you're going to get um you know that this certain in between these two numbers you're going to get that number of rebounds you know that at this point teams are shooting 27 threes a game um but how do you want to do that that's what interests me the most and how your roster and the guys that can do xyz shoot the threes get the rebounds start transition opportunities how they tie in together and that's one of the cooler things about rick carlisle is i usually understand what he's doing Mm -hmm. like i understand if they assume they're going to lose the rebounding battle just because what they rolled out tonight. Um, I know he wants to protect the basketball. He wants to limit transition. He wants to, you know, get back on defense. So that stuff always interests me. And numbers have helped more than anything kind of define what a team's DNA is, what their game theory is. When they look at their 100 possessions, what do I want to do with it? What do I want to do with the, when the other team has the ball? Um, so I hadn't looked at, a lot of league averages since last season ended um, and what the Mavericks are doing on a per game basis compared to what the league is doing. So I'll get to some of that in a little bit, but yeah, I love trying to just jump to a conclusion, get on your jumps conclusions, Matt and jump somewhere like, Oh, it feels like they're shooting a lot better from, you know, the left corner. Why is that? Numbers will tell you, mm. you just got to go look into it. Yep. Lineup stuff that they have now is incredible. On off numbers is incredible. Um, I mean, if you're an NBA fan and you aren't deep diving into numbers and have a deeper understanding of more than just, oh, the shot went up. Did it go in or did it not? Then that's on you because the information's out there. Yep. And it's so easy to get. And there's so many good sources for it right now. They do such a good
1: job, the NBA does, of making all this stuff public. It's mm-hmm. just stats.nba.com. Yeah. You could spend. I know from experience, you could spend 500 hours looking through all this stuff. It goes all the way back to, I mean, you could find stuff from Dirk's rookie season on there that's things that you never even knew existed. Just numbers from every spot on the floor, by shot clock range, by defender distance. Just, it is incredible how much stuff is available. And then it's up to us and, you know, us being the
0: royal us. Mm -hmm. Everybody to kind of make sense of it. And if Uh, you get deeper into it, you know, there's like ESPN Insider, there's Synergy mm -hmm. uh, that you can get into. I remember... Synergy stuff is public on NBA.com now. Yeah they share that i mean we have a little bit different another layer of uh synergy that the we video can yeah video straight. editor that we can watch and that teams have but i remember even 5 years ago um whenever i was like first writing uh, about nba stuff maybe 6 years ago i don't know um i remember you had to go to, like 82games.com to find certain stuff yeah but that was only updated, like, monthly. Yeah. And that
1: guy who ran that site, Roland Beach, is actually a big stats guy for the Mavs. Mm-hmm. The year they won the championship, he and was. And then Hollinger
0: was doing, you know, um, what's his stat? I forget. P.E.R. PR. Yeah, player efficiency rating. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes that didn't always match the eyeball test of what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. But you're, like, interesting. Okay, it's good to know. Um, so it's just leapfrogged. Like, it's like with technology, whenever they figure, like, one thing out, it doesn't go in a linear fashion, it doesn't go step one, step two, step three, it goes step one, step ten step one hundred, step one thousand mm-hmm. uh, because you start exponentially um, building on top of the gains you made basically so it's, it's incredible what you can learn now um, just simply plugging in stats.com URL and just poking around, I mean I didn't realize they had such specific pick and roll numbers on mm-hmm. there, I always go to Synergy for that kind of stuff but anyway, it's a long way of saying that, hey, uh, take your vitamins, read your books.
1: Exactly. Yes. Do, do those two things, mm-hmm. and everything else will take care of itself. Yeah. So I'm glad that you mentioned pace, mm-hmm. right? So pace is possessions per 48 minutes. Yeah. Basically, possessions per game. How many times do you have the ball? How many times do your opponent have the ball? Um, some teams are faster than others. For example, last year, the Pelicans... Your league leader in pace. Pelicans, Lakers were playing super fast. Mm-hmm. Teams like the Mavs, the Spurs, the Jazz, the Grizzlies playing super slow. So you're milking the shot clock. You're not uh, sprinting up the floor. You're not the, like the Warriors flying up the wing and
0: taking threes five seconds in the shot clock. You know, you're trying to get a good shot. I think that's an important distinction, though. Transition versus early offense. Yeah.
1: Well, that's that's what we're talking about. Yeah. That's what I'm going to talk about. Yeah. yeah. So transition obviously you run off a miss you mm-hmm. run off a turnover um if you're golden state someone misses a shot kd gets the rebound and he sprints it up the floor and dunks it that's transition Yep. early offense is off a make or miss you're pushing the ball you're not sprinting you're just pushing the ball you're moving with purpose right you're getting down the floor you're running in action early in the shot clock and you're making something happen so once the mavs drafted well acquired Luka Doncic they need to just change that rule by the way can I just get on my soapbox here yeah the Mavs drafted Luka Doncic they did just just like the Mavs drafted Dirk yeah we don't need to do the whole trivia bit it's fun but like the
0: Mavs drafted Doncic there's no relation to the Hawks for him it's a shame in his career for
1: his entire career he's going to be drafted by the Hawks on 2k it's going to say that it's going to be
0: confusing whenever you look up basketball reference and you're looking at like wins above replacement and things like that he's going to land on the Hawks page as it. And I he's going to give the Hawks like 200 wins above yes, replacement. Exactly. And like I did a study on like the Mavericks past drafts, like uh, wins above replacement, and trying to sort out who they drafted versus who they actually had on the roster is just it's not easy. Yeah, yeah. No, it's terrible. So Luka Doncic drafted mm-hmm. by the Mavs. So when the
1: Mavs got him, I was thinking, hmm. So he's a playmaking wing. What are examples of playmaking wings in recent Mavs history? And by recent, I mean like the Rick Carlisle era. Mm-hmm. So I'm not thinking like Jerry Stackhouse, who initiated a lot of offense for the Mavs during the Avery Johnson run. I'm thinking like more recent, right? And the first player that I thought of was Chandler Parsons. Now, I'm not saying that Doncic and Parsons are the same player. I'm not even saying they have many things in common because they really they don't that much. Parsons is playing a lot of four. Parsons is six foot ten. Doncic is six foot six foot eight uh Doncic is a better passer. Uh he seems like more of a more of an initiator whereas Parsons was using screens a lot more in my opinion to score. He was looking to score coming off screens. Doncic looks to pass first and then he'll score later.
0: But the the like optimum version and correct me if you disagree but the optimum version of what we thought Chandler Parsons could be before the injuries um you know has limited his last whatever 2 or 3 years is kind of almost the exact same thing of what you want Doncic to be. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, they aren't the same player. Um, very different. Uh, but if they reach their peak, you wanted them to look pretty similar. Yeah. And I think people hesitate from making the Parsons comparison because... There's I a mean, lot of emotion there. Yeah, there's a lot of history there. And it didn't work out exactly perfectly, but, I mean, that's a really stinking good player.
1: Yeah, and for his for his peak here... It was like 20.7 rebounds, four assists a game. That's
0: so hard to do. That's
1: really good. The list of players who do that that don't play point guard is like LeBron yep. and Giannis and KD. Mm-hmm. So, like, that is, the, that is the company that he was keeping. Now, obviously, you know, LeBron is not doing 27-4. and four. He's doing 28-8-8. Eight and eight. So there is a difference. But in theory, Parsons is the player I thought of because not only is he similarly sized and he was doing a lot of the same things as far as handling the ball, but he happened to play on the same team. With Mon- as Monte Ellis, mm-hmm. who was very different from Parsons. Smaller guard, flying toward the rim, extremely athletic, extremely quick, very capable passing, especially finding guys in the corner, fearless rim attacker. And the guy who shares a lot of those traits is Dennis Smith, mm-hmm. right? And now Dennis and Monte, again, not the same player. But the Mavericks had Parsons and Monte at the same time in 2014, okay? So I decided to look at that team's numbers, so the 2014 15 Mavs pre Rondo trade, because everything kind of changed whenever they got Rondo. Obviously, not only kind of outlook, but just X's and O's. Things were different.
0: Was that, um, so 14 15? That's Jameer Nelson was the starting point guard going into that season. Yep, and Tyson. Tyson. Um, year before that is whenever they won 49 or 50? Yeah, they won uh, 49 with the year before and down Calderon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just trying to get the roster. And, I mean, I remember their offense was. Like, going to break league records it was whenever incredible. Jameer was yep. here with Monte and, uh, and Parsons.
1: Yeah, so pre-trade, they only played 27 games, so sample size and everything. But pre-trade, they were scoring 113 points per 100 possessions. They The gap between them and second place was as wide as, like, second to sixth. <laughs> like, they were so much better than everybody else on offense. Now, I'm not saying that this team is going to break a billion records and do all that stuff. But what I am saying is you have kind of the archetypes, right? You have the bigger wing who can take screens. You have the smaller guard who can go 0-100 to 100 in, in one step and really get to the basket. And so you have two guys whose games really complement each other. So what was that team doing, okay? I, I, that was kind of my question. Why were they good? How yeah. is this team going? How, how can these Mavs kind of replicate what they were doing? So I thought, okay – it seems like, and this is my initial thought, it seemed like back in the day they were really pushing the ball. It, so I decided to go back. I'm going to just watch their games. I'm going to watch their stats. I'm going to watch Parsons' possessions and see what they're doing. They weren't really pushing the ball. There, was, there wasn't a lot of transition. You know, Monte was a kind of a one-man fast break, and Parsons could do the same thing. You know, if it's a steal, he's going to finish the play himself. But generally what they were doing is just getting the ball up the floor off makes and getting into their offense right away. You watch an NBA game, even the most athletic guys in the world, after they score, they jog down the floor. It's Mm -hmm. just kind of you're you're so intensely engaged on offense. You see the ball go in. You're going to let up for three seconds. You're going to jog down. You're going to catch your breath. You're going to turn around. You're going to get in your stance with 19 seconds left on the shot clock. So if you're the opposition, you're going to take those five seconds, and you're going to do as much stuff as you can in that time, okay? So the Mavs in 2014-15, this is pre-rondo, more than 18% of their possessions ended with the shot or a turnover or a foul coming with between 18 and 15 seconds left on the shot clock. So that is defined as early offense. So that is six to nine seconds into the possession. More than 18% of their possessions ended in that time range, which was second most in the NBA. Okay, so they were playing fast. They were not, like, sprinting, right? Mm-hmm. They weren't they were getting run-out dunks, but they were just running stuff early, okay? And in that time, their effective field goal percentage, which basically counts three-pointers as one-and-a-half shots, because three is worth one-and-a-half times two, they were fourth in effective field goal percentage in that range at nearly 60%. Okay, So they were getting a lot of shots early, and they were making a lot of shots early. And at that time, only five teams in the league were even at 15%. Okay, So the Mavs were at 18%. Only four other teams were even above 15 So the mm-hmm. Mavs were just destroying teams. Early in the shot clock, they were doing it early, they were doing it often. Last season only five teams were below fifteen percent. So in the last three or four years, everybody is playing faster now. Okay, so it's not just about volume, because everybody gets early offense now. It's about efficiency in that time. So last season, the Mavs in that range, so in in the first nine seconds of the possession, they had a 56.5 effective field goal percentage, which ranks 16th. So that's just middle of the pack. Yeah. The top seven teams in effective field goal percentage in that range were all top ten in offense.
0: Okay, that makes sense. So if you're
1: good in the early part of the shot clock, you're going to be a good offense. This yeah. is the Denver's, mm-hmm. Golden State's, this is the Houston's, this is the Pelicans, those teams that can really – Cleveland with LeBron, you're getting the ball – down the floor quickly and you're making something happen so good teams score well early in the shot clock so I thought okay so those Mavs were playing way faster than everybody else or at least playing way earlier than everybody else what could it have been was it Monte was it you know there was younger Dirk he was a better shooter they had a a lot more shooting on the team Jameer Nelson so maybe it was those guys but no it was Chandler Parsons (laughs) he was the guy that was making that happen so he and Tyson Chandler were Two of the top three players in percentage of field goal attempts coming within that range. So, meaning a a larger volume of their attempts came early in the shot clock than Mm -hmm. any other player on the team. It's like one out of five of
0: Parsons' shots came in that range. That makes sense because, I mean, if you think about it, okay, people think about pace and they think about transition all the time. It's like, okay, yeah, you got three guys and one's dribbling the ball up and sprinting and it's a three-on-two situation and you kick it to the wing. That's not what we're talking about. No. It's get down, the defense is unbalanced. Get on your offensive end of the court. The defense is unbalanced. Tyson comes, sets a screen for Parsons. Parsons puts his head down, goes at the basket. Um, either you know dumps it down to Tyson or or just goes right at the rack. And that's what early offense is. You find the unbalanced part of the defense, and it's not transition in the sense of transitions created just by. Fo- transition is just a foot race. Yeah, early offense is awareness, and if you play pickup basketball. More than likely, early offense is what you're trying to do every time. You're trying to get the ball down. You're trying to make sure the one slow guy on the other team hasn't turned around yet. <laughs> you gotta make eye contact with his guy, kind of nod at him. He cuts, you know, baseline, and you and you throw the ball down there. So that makes sense if it was Parsons and Tyson Chandler, um, because a screen starts that. Yep. Well, and it's it's the rebound that starts that, or it's mm-hmm. the outlet
1: pass. So it's not just. Monte is bringing the ball up the floor every time. Parsons was doing that. Jameer Nelson was doing that. But you're getting your small forward or your power forward in some instances, the ball, that early. And so what are centers really good at? Centers are really good defensively at communicating, mm-hmm. right? They call the coverages. Point guards and shooting guards do not have to do that. Yeah. They are talked to. They don't talk. Right. But if your three and your five are involved in a pick and roll at the top of the key, that leaves your one and your two to basically communicate with everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Am I tagging down? Are, are you tagging down? What is happening? Because one of us has to stop this big man, Tyson Chandler, or in this season's case, DeAndre Jordan. One of us has to stop him from getting to the basket. Yeah. And if you're six foot one and DeAndre Jordan is sprinting at you, you're not going to stop him. No. And you're not going to be able to call for help because the other big defender, your 3 or your 4, is up here guarding Luka Doncic. So – there's, it's a numbers game. It's not. It's not geometry. It's just like height, yeah. right? You're taking the biggest players. You're pulling them away from the basket. You're putting the smallest players in charge of defending the rim. So you're just inverting the floor, mm-hmm. and you're doing that five seconds in the shot clock before anyone realizes what's happening. So many of Parsons' baskets were either coming in the secondary break, which is kind of what we're talking about, where it's not a three on two, it's five on five, but you're just doing it fast, or Coming off like a a zipper screen or a flare screen where you're putting him in motion before he catches the ball so that he's catching on the move and could just go downhill quickly. He's not catching it at a stop going 0 to 100 the way that Monte or Dennis can, where their first step they can get to full speed. He's moving before he makes the catch to get the defender off balance and to start his motion toward the basket before he gets the ball. And that's it easier to drive.
0: And that's having somebody who can handle the ball. A unique skill set is what it takes. It takes somebody that can handle the ball, someone that can pull up efficiently and knock down threes. And starting the pick and roll, it's basically a pick and roll. It's kind of like – it's not exactly a pick and roll because, I mean, Tyson might be setting a screen to go set another screen, honestly, in this scenario. Um, But it's starting it, I don't know, three feet past the three-point line and drawing the five out. And if you get the five out of – if you get the goalie out, you know, that was our, always what we were trying to do in high school basketball is like, you know, get the goalie out from under the rim. Yeah, because usually team has one big dude in 3A basketball that's like six six and can protect the rim. If you get that dude and there's a reason those dudes call coverages because they're the biggest dude on the court. They can see stuff. Yeah, they see things. It's just like having a tall quarterback. It's the same exact theory, but you can call coverages whether or not that guy is the most aware or is good at calling coverages is kind of obsolete the fact that he can see everything and that he can stand in the paint for usually more than three seconds at a time like dudes get away with that all the time is uh is the reason they're down there take them take what they want to do their natural defense how they want to defend you and just throw it in a blender and see how they react flip them upside down yeah and i'm did you have anything else on that i was gonna uh, talk about
1: yeah i mean kind of kind of so it's not just like that Parsons was getting baskets in that time he mm-hmm. was he had a 65% effective field goal percentage in that time so he was killing people but everybody else was killing them too mm-hmm. so these guys three point percentage Dirk 44.8 Parsons 45.5 Nelson 39 even Monta Ellis 50% in that range wow so you're you're just you're confusing them like you said you're putting them in a blender mm-hmm. you're just like you're taking what they normally do you're flipping it upside down and you're making them do it faster and they yep. just can't recover now the league is a little more conditioned for fast play these days yeah so it's not just like a matter of yeah, just run as fast as you can to make something happen, but and they're and they're switching more too, right? Mm-hmm. You're see, you're starting to see Clint Capella switch onto Steph Curry, and the, like the Rockets are okay with doing that. But if you leave a center on Luca thirty times a game, the Mavs are going to come out on top. Yeah, you know they're going to come out on top. So it's just about it being less predictable. Mm-hmm. Dennis can get you, but Luca Luca can get you too. And if Luca gets the rebound, he can bring the ball up the floor himself and start stuff yep. you're not having to look for outlet passes you're not having to wait for the guy who got the rebound to get down to a spot in the corner so you can start running your play you're not having to just there's less moving pieces you can just flow more you hear Rick Carlisle talk about flow so much yeah that's, that's what he that's means what he, that's it's what he just means. smooth yeah the it's smooth not basketball. it's
0: not just passes to make passes and swinging the ball to swing the ball it's it's early offense there's a natural and you know this whenever you play there's a natural point in the offense where the ball needs to be at every second. Yeah,
1: exactly. And Absolutely. If,
0: once you start playing enough and you, and you, you know, just observe a little bit, you know where the ball needs to be mm. right now. And it looks easy. Yeah. And they make it look easy. Yeah. And right? that's, that's one of the things that people never talk about about the 2011 team is, yeah, Dirk was insane. Yeah, Jason Terry played better than LeBron in the finals. You know, fill in your blank of, you know, just true outcome things – But the thing that set the Mavericks apart in 2011 is they were the best ball movement team in the NBA. Mm. And you think that just means assists. It does not mean assists. It means getting teams in unbalanced situations defensively and knowing where the ball needs to be on offense, being in the perfect spot. When they're unbalanced, I know I can't make this skip pass. I can't make this 20-foot skip pass. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to kick it out. They're going to swing it back. That's where the ball needs to be right now.
1: I mean, because Kid and Terry were not burning people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. just they like nobody that
0: could, besides JJ, that could penetrate into the lane, really. Yeah. And know?
1: Parsons couldn't burn people either. Yeah. Monte could, mm. but he also played very well within that flow. So yeah. that's what made him that much better. That's why the Mavs like Dennis so much. Like, yeah. not only is he a freakishly athletic player, but he is pretty good in the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. And he's only going to get better with more reps, with more experience, with more film, and all that stuff. So now, in three or four years if he knows exactly where to be and exactly where to send the ball at any given moment and he can jump 48 inches in the air and Mm -hmm. and make really cool Instagram dunk videos, then like that is, that is like the, the perfect player. Yeah. That's a guy that you cannot stop vertically or horizontally and who can get all of his teammates involved.
0: Yeah. And he can jump over you. um, If you get in that weird in between, like I feel like with Houston last year, um, it might've been that playoff series where they would run such a devastating early pick-and-roll, and then Capella would dive, and um, Golden State would basically change the point in the pick-and-roll in the le- basically what level of the defense you're, you're diving through. They would change the point of where he had to make the decision, and it threw him off for like a whole game. Like they would either try and stop him sooner or let him get deeper, and it's just like, okay, you're used to, okay, pick and roll. Uh, this guy's off my hip. I'm taking three steps. The ball's there it's not or I'm going to screen. And they were making him do it like in two and a half steps mm. and just shots that aren't good shots. Like for him, for most of the NBA now, it's, it's threes or it's layups, right, or something around the basket. They were trying to make him do that weird like 10-foot shot. Yep. And they were trying to do that. They're making Harden do that too. And it's just shots that you don't take a lot in a game. Your offense isn't created to make this shot. It's a tough shot for a dude that's that big and that powerful to take a 10- to 12-foot little weird, like, do I teardrop this? Do I push it? Do I? And teams can take you out of that. But I don't remember why I was saying that. But it's just spacing is, is interesting uh, and what teams, especially when you get into a series. That's another thing I love about looking up stats and looking up um, how numbers correlate to on-court uh, production and things like that is um, when you get into a series – and you're playing a team for at least four straight times. They're gonna find weird stuff, just literally making you take a shot you don't usually take. Yeah, you might be wide open, but you know I know you can't hit it from there. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna leave you open right there, or I'm gonna make your, I'm gonna start your, you're gonna force you to start your pick and roll further out, so your little, uh, your little teardrop is two feet further than you're used to. Um. But that's fascinating, on the early offense stuff, and I'm glad you found that because I. I had some other stuff that uh, ties into that. If we want to jump into uh, basically, we talked about pace. Mm-hmm. So, pace last year was 97.3. Mm-hmm. Possessions per 48 minutes on average, just across the league. Your normal offense, normal Tuesday night in Charlotte, they're going to get 97 possessions a game. Maz were slower than that, they were at 95.6. Makes sense. I mean, they were what, like twenty sixth or twenty seventh of the yeah. league? I think, yeah. They were they were slow uh, compared to most of the league, which is not something you like for your. I mean, it, it limits early offense. It limits all kinds of stuff. It makes it just more difficult. But if you're trying to protect the ball, if you got a rookie point guard who's learning how to diagnose stuff, it makes sense for why they were running that slow. Yeah, well, and some of that is just a simply a byproduct of
1: Dennis is really the only guy that could take the ball from the top of the arc and make something happen Mm -hmm. consistently. You know, Barnes was getting there, but otherwise, you know, they only had one guy that could really run
0: like a a true pick and roll every time down. Yeah. And so you think, okay, well, the offense wasn't great last year. Um, We need to fix that. That's an obvious. That's like goal number one. But the answer isn't cranking up your transition uh, possessions or even cranking up your pace. Because three of the top 11 teams in the league weren't positive in terms of pace. So three or uh, only three were positive. I'm sorry. I said that wrong. So of the top 11 in pace, right? So you got like Lakers, Pelicans, um, Clippers are in there somehow. Um, Only three of them had a positive net rating. Wow. So you think you speed the game up, that should help you. Well, not necessarily. Only three of them, a couple of them were neutral, a couple of them were zero in terms of, uh, you know, offensive rating minus defensive rating. But it's not guaranteed that your offense is going to be better uh, if you crank up the pace. Now, early offense, that's what I'm talking about. Um, because you look at teams like, I looked at Portland because they're interesting to me. Because, I mean, they, they roll up Farouk at the four a lot of the time. Um, They have Dame, they have CJ. They have these transition players that you think are pretty deadly, right? They can get out and run. Well, they're last in transition uh, possessions last season. Even fewer than the Mavs? Yes, they were 30th. Portland was 30th in terms of transition. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. But it makes sense when you think of early offense. They're not a transition team. They're an early offense team. Mm. They get the ball down, use one screen, get a shot up, or get going at the basket. Um, and so that was, that was super interesting to me to look at transition possessions, see Portland 30th, but also their pace is high. They're a top 15 uh, pace team and just realize that pace doesn't mean transition. Um, and pace doesn't even mean personnel. I think it's entirely about scheme because you can look at rosters and go, I think this should be a fast team. I think there should be a fast team. And they're not. It's about what the coach wants to do. I mean, Houston
1: was, I think, seventeenth in pace or something. Yeah, and they played a bunch of six eight guys. So you think that they're going to be running up and down? But they're,
0: you know, they're pretty methodical. Mm -hmm. It's 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 early offense is what it is. That's the thing that people never talk about. That stats kind of aren't great at finding quite yet. But you know it when you see it, and it's basically transition. I almost want to almost want to like lobby to make that fold into transition offense. Um, But it's it's a hard thing for people to kind of pinpoint and the, the shot clock range is what probably the most
1: efficient way to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's still kind of a ballpark, but I, I really think, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, it when you see it, but mm-hmm. I think that early offense is kind of a really good example of the truest representation of our guys are better than your guys. Yeah. You know, like we can beat you no matter what, no matter mm-hmm. who's bringing the ball up, no matter what we're doing first,
0: we're going to get a bucket because whatever we're doing is something that you cannot stop. Yeah. And I saw something interesting on uh, 538 earlier, and it was uh, basically an article about Isaiah Thomas, IT, the, the new I, the new Isaiah Thomas, uh, the Denver Nugget. Um, it was basically about, like, life's going to get harder for him because as of last year, on average across the league, the difference between a starting point guard and a starting center in height is eight inches. Are you serious? Yes. Jeez. Eight. Wow. That's, that's got to be shorter than it's ever been, right? It's tighter than it's ever been. So in between your one and your five on the court that you roll out to start a game, the difference is eight inches in height. So it's all switch. Everyone's adopting the switch mm. uh, defensively. You need to be able to guard more than your position, at least plus one defensively. And I thought that was a pretty good indication of what teams are actually rolling out in terms of how do you, how do you attack the other team. It's, well, I'm using my best five that are about this size. Um, and go through some of the other league averages, how they pertain, yeah. to, pertain to the Mavs? Yeah. Okay. So last season, on average, then your normal run-of-the-mill uh, NBA team put up 29 threes a game. If that sounds like a lot, it is. Um, that's two more than the 16-17 season on average. Wow. So two more threes a game per team. Wow. I mean, that's seven
1: threes per quarter. Yes. And you're getting, what, like maybe 20 shots a quarter? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so nearly half of your... That's a lot That's a yeah. lot of threes, man. Half of your attempts are going to be, you know... Yeah. Um, Didn't Houston have, like, 10 games last season with 50 threes? Yeah. And so you think, okay, how does that pertain to the Mavs? Well, they're ahead of that curve. They're shooting... They shot 33 uh, a game last season. And, yeah, some of the numbers are skewed. You look at... Um, Late, I looked at kind of like the months whenever I was trying to figure out, okay, what's going on? Well, whenever you're out of games, you're going to shoot a lot of threes. You yep. know what I mean? So late in the season, whenever they had their, their downturn, they were just chunking a lot of threes. Mm-hmm. It happens. So, but 33 is when you go four, four north of, a, of an average, that's, that kind of stands out to me. So they're, they're ahead of this curve. So it's not. They, they have been, I think they've been top five in three point attempts for like five years in a row. Yeah. So Rick believes in the three. Yep. But what I take away from that is okay, um, whenever you're acquiring players such as Luca, dribble pass, shoot guys. You got to do it. You got to be able to do three at a plus. Um, and, you know, his three point percentage wasn't great last year, but, you know, I've watched 400 pick and roll possessions from him. I like his pull up three. i'm comfortable with
1: it he was better off the dribble than he was off the catch which is weird yeah really weird i don't don't
0: know how to make sense of that but it's true and this kind of ties hand in hand i don't know if it's an exact correlation if it's a to b to c in this this formula but free throws were down 1.4 free throws a game in the league in the league really across the league so people are getting to the line fewer times
1: i guess you would think if if more shots are threes, fewer shots are probably like pull-ups. threes. usually and don't get fouled on threes. Yeah. So although last year I think they were calling more fouls on threes than in years past because that's kind of becoming like the new yeah, the new point of
0: emphasis. Uh, another interesting thing from the 29 threes a game, or 32.8 as the Mavs went last year, is, okay, Yogi's playing somewhere else. McBuckus is pay- playing somewhere else. They shot seven and a half threes a game last year. Where do those go? Because I don't think the Mavs are changing their formula. I think they're yeah, going. not so either. I think they're going thirty-two plus threes a game. Yeah, I mean Devin shot quite a few, mm-hmm. so he kind of almost
1: almost makes up the McBuckets difference. I think. Right. And then with Yogi, and then you got the three and a half that Yogi was shooting. Yeah, and Doncic is going to take some of those. Yeah. I would think. I mean, because Doncic will presumably be starting instead of like. I don't know. I don't know what the starting lineup is going to be, but whether it's Wes or Dirk or Doncic or whoever's in there, like, they're going to be shooting a lot of threes. Yeah. And then off the bench, Brokaw will shoot a few. I mean, Finney Smith will shoot Yeah. quite a bit. I think, like, almost all of his attempts last season were threes. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if – I know he had one incredible dunk over, I think, Valanchunas. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, for
0: the most part, he's shooting threes. And I would kind of assume Dennis's three-point attempts either stagnate or dip. Yeah, maybe. Certainly off the dribble. Yeah. I think so off let's the dribble say will be way down. eight threes a game are up there for grabs. Yeah. That's if you stay stagnant. That's if you shoot 32.8 a game. Barnes will probably go up a little bit too, I think. Maybe. I think last year was only about
1: three. Mm-hmm. This year he could be four or five easily just from not only him trying to take more. Mm-hmm. And, and I know it's an exhibition game, but did you notice in the NBA Africa game, yeah. like all of his shots were threes yeah. off the dribble? And I know that it's – the game does not matter, right? You know it was irrelevant, but he is the kind of guy that is like in a tinker and tinker in the mm-hmm. off season, and I, I think that's toward the end of last season you started seeing him take more off the bounce threes. That is that is the shot that you got to have now if well, you want to be a big time
0: scorer. Speaking of games that don't matter, the Miles Turner Dennis Smith Jr. scrimmage up at Prestonwood. It's good TV. day, uh, Ball is Life put that out. Um, you know, I watched that whole thing, and yeah, they don't show the misses. No they don't they really don't show the misses, but also didis was just I'm gonna get past half court and you know what I'm so comfortable with my shot right now it's going up mm. and i I you know you don't read anything into it I don't even know if it was nBA line on the three but balance looked good that's the trick for him. It's much like Westbrook it's you're so explosive, so bouncy you're so used to jumping off of one foot um that when you do need a pull-up just because you can get your body into shooting form and launch high enough to uh, to get your shot off doesn't always mean you have to. But if your balance is right and you turn into you know you're comfortable pulling up from anywhere off the bounce, then that's that's an unstoppable point guard. So I want him to figure it out. I don't want him to like stop trying to do it.
1: No, he won't. I mean, that's like a three to five year process, anyways, in a jump shot. So that's why I don't even worry about that stuff. And uh, again, another soapbox thing. Anytime we see a cool video of Dennis dunking, there's always people in the comments saying, "Where is he working on his floater?" Yeah. Don't be that guy. Don't be lame. Don't be lame.
0: Like, just appreciate something cool. Right. You know. Just have fun every once in a while. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. It's a dunk. Um, Doofus. Some other league averages we can go through. Okay, league average from three was uh, thirty six percent. So, you need to be 36% or better. I remember, uh, I think Skin gave us the magical Terry Stotts number of 37.5. Yeah. Um, so, just keep that in mind. If you're running at an efficient clip, you're shooting. But right now, it's north of, north of 36, but some coaches will tell you 37.5. Um Man, and not long ago, if you were 35, it was like, it's pretty good. Right. Uh, effective field goal percentage across the league was uh, .521. That was the average? That was the average.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. We have come a long way. Yeah. So I was just, right before we started doing this, I don't know why, but I was looking at 7 Celtics. Oh, I was doing stuff. I'm looking at Rondo stuff for the Pelicans. So you're a madman? I'm a madman. 7 08 Celtics were 5-2-2 on mm-hmm. effective field. They were like top five yeah. in the league. Yeah. It is unbelievable now league average how much
0: has changed. is 5 one Um, That is insane. Which, for the Mavericks, (laughs) their four top minutes guys last year were below that. Yeah. So we got to fix that. Yeah, well, I will say,
1: this is one more thing on that early offense stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Wes, his EFG in in that 6 to 9 second range was Uh 59.1. For the season, it was 51.6. So that's a huge split. And Dennis, equally big. Early offense, 51.3. Everything else, 44.6.
0: Yeah. And that's—it's a lot of it pertains to Dennis, right? Yeah. Because you talk about a high volume, high shot guy uh, from the point guard position—you got to be league average efficient. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To be to be a plus. Yeah, I mean it's mostly just generating quality
1: looks, mm-hmm. right? And not—and a lot of his attempts last season, especially early in the year when they were still trying to figure out like the rhythm and timing of everything, a lot of his looks came late in the shot clock. Yeah. Like, last five seconds and that's that's bad even if you're a great team like Mm -hmm. the Spurs won the championship in 2014 because they were like decent in that range you know like you have to be you have to be really freaking good to score it with zero seconds left on the
0: shot and I'm sure there's teams and there's teams that like coach towards that like late offense like if you don't get the early offense wait around for the late offense make them play for 24 seconds yeah which I, I admire I feel like The Spurs are one of those teams, I feel like Miami Heat for some reason, are one of those teams where you're like, okay, seven seconds left, well, they got you where where they want you. Yeah. You know, they're good at late offense. Mm. Remember one game, it might have been last year, the year before, Miami came in here and they beat the crap out of us because they just kept hitting final four seconds in the shot clock shots. I was like, those are so tough. What are you doing?
1: They're really tough. Um, but if you have if every player on your on the floor drives yeah that's five drives five scrambles mm-hmm. someone's going to be open
0: Yeah and there is some some value to making a team concentrate for 20 plus seconds on defense
1: Yeah as uh, long as you are not afraid of Yeah you know shooting with 0.5
0: left Yeah and that's one of the things another thing about the 2011 finals that people didn't realize is okay the Heat might have just got a breakaway dunk but I'm going to make you lock in for 20 seconds on this other end. Yeah. Like every moment of it. Like and, w- and when
1: you do that 90 times, yeah. all of a sudden your legs are a little heavier. It than grinds. The it
0: grinds on you. There's no doubt. I told you about the pace. Pace is cranked up to 97.3 now. Maz at 95.6. The answer isn't necessarily cranking up pace uh, just for pace's sake. Um, you know, getting out there and running, it's early offense, it's good looks. Mm. Well, that's what what made
1: what New Orleans did last season so weird is that they were
0: so, so fast in terms mm-hmm. of pace,
1: but they were also really good on offense. Yeah. Because normally it's not, like, if you're, like, at the extreme side of pace, then you're, like, average at worst, or average yeah. at best at offense, you know.
0: I I was looking at that, and I was trying to kind of describe how they were doing it, and I literally think it's just – Rondo early offense. Yep. Cause they've never been that fast. Like there are teams that run that fast. Like the Lakers run that fast. You mm-hmm. know, the Warriors run that fast. Usually, honestly, you look at the uh, teams that run pace that fast. It's usually young teams. Mm-hmm. It's young teams yeah, like that Phoenix. just like to get shots up and it's not necessarily good teams. Um, but the Pelicans were really good last year. And so you try and, you know, rationalize that of how it fits into, okay, how are you running hundred possessions a game? Um something like 105. Yeah, with, they were crazy. with Rondo doing a lot of the ball handling, who, I mean, his last big moment here was an argument about getting the ball over the half-court line on time, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and Drew Holiday, I mean, he's a good transition player, but it's, it's literally Rondo knowing where to put the ball on the court.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of it is, too, like Anthony Davis just beats
0: his man down yeah. the floor. Yeah, that's another thing we can talk about maybe on another podcast is the, the manufactured foot races. Yeah, between the three, four, five position
1: that has gotten many, many a big man yelled at. Yeah, over the years. Yeah, and especially I mean, in these days with like now that you're starting to get some some Ferraris playing center, right?
0: And that's kind of the theory behind pick and roll these days. Is okay, the screen for the point guard is awesome, right? That's helpful, clear out space, but what it turns into is a foot race back to the basket between, hopefully a faster four or five on your team Mm. and that's why clint capella is so good is he's so quick off the floor he's quick quick in terms of opening his hips up running at the basket and then he can quick jump on you and just launch and it's incredible to watch um and deandre's got a lot of that too um i mean just fast back to the basket huge human that can take contact whenever running into the lane and just quick jump just doesn't take a load up doesn't take a you know bend your knees down and squat down with two legs and jump up it's a Full sprint, I'm going to put my left foot, uh, the ball of my left foot in the ground, and I'm going higher and faster than you can. Weird example of this
1: that you might not expect, Solid Measuri. Oh, yeah. Very, very quick first step, <laughs> yeah. jumps as high as he needs to. Mm-hmm. It's, it is, it's very efficient yeah. with him. Very you efficient. know
0: those dudes when you see it. Mm-hmm. It stands out whenever a guy um, can beat you in the foot race and quick jump on you.
1: Yeah, you're not, like, holding down the B button to <laughs> yeah. load up your energy <laughs> yeah. meter. You're just going.
0: And I don't know how you train that. I don't know if that's just a natural thing. Cause I see it's you do it one way or the other usually, it's I'm a load up guy or I'm a, I'm a quick jump guy and I don't know if that's I don't know if that can be trained into you I'm I'm assuming it can seeing some of the stuff they do and some of the footwork stuff that they work on but it's awesome to watch a dude that can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have any more fun stat stuff? The only thing I had left was. Uh, we can talk for a minute or two on. Yeah, I don't know. Watch like I mean, two hours with of Luca. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we
1: got a lot of we got a lot of Luca takes. Man, yeah. I just want to see that guy play. I'm tired of talking takes. By the way, we're we're recording this on August 17th. Yeah, opening night is in two months. That's awesome. Two months, which seems close, but is also like that's one sixth of a year. So that's a
0: really long time. <laughs> it you is know? a long time.
1: Yeah, I'm tired of these long off seasons, man. Yeah, we we're gonna get,
0: get some, uh, we're gonna get tired of talking about the same off season stuff here pretty quick. We're gonna be like can we go play in China yet? Or can we go to training camp yet? Or, you yeah. know, that happens. I mean, that's just a natural flow of the off season. And working yeah, it's a for lot it of team. projection, but I will say,
1: so like it's been weird uh, this off season, mm-hmm. Dennis workouts, Luca highlights people on Twitter who are not Mavs fans are envious of the fact that Dennis and Luca are Mavs. Yeah. You know, like they're retweeting Ballas life videos and they're retweeting, mm-hmm. you know, real Madrid highlight reels. Thinking like man, I wish that guy was on my team. Yeah, people are excited about players on the Mavs, and people have always loved Dirk, oh, obviously. Yeah. And you know, people respect a lot of the players that mm-hmm. have been on this team. But I'm trying to think: has there ever been internet sensation type players like Dennis and Luca and DeAndre? I'm sure is going to have a couple disgusting dunks too. I mean, all of a sudden, people who do not really care one way or another about the Mavs are kind of like it got. One eye looking yeah. toward Dallas. Don't,
0: they, might, they might pick you as the team they want to start their franchise with on NBA 2K right now. Oh, for sure. You know what dude. I mean? For sure.
1: And uh, and they're like the league pass team on a Tuesday night. Yeah.
0: They're that team now. I mean, the people that I read and trust like quite a bit in terms of like projections and wins and, you know, it, separating the hype from, okay, what does this mean in terms of wins and stuff like that? Like I told you all last week, or the week for Sportsline... Jumped the Mavs to 42 and a half wins after DeAndre and Luca. It's a lot of wins, man. I mean, I follow them for just about anything. Like, I think they do a good job and put a lot of work into it. And it was, I think, 31 to 42 after the draft and the jump in wins, I'm talking, uh, after the draft and free agency. And, I mean, Lu- I'm so ready for Luca to come in and do Luca stuff. Um, there's Rick Carlisle. That Do you think
1: he'll come on the podcast?
0: <laughs> Why not? Bring it on. Um so once you once you own the car, I'm just ready to like go out there and drive it. Yeah. Because I was so excited just to like watch him play and then be like, Oh, he's so good we don't have a chance at him. Yeah. You know, for so long.
1: Like Eurobasket last summer yes. you're thinking like, man. I remember the first time I saw his name, like,
0: on a real GM mock draft, like, 18 months or two years out, I was like, okay, let's figure out what this guy's got. Mm. And then I like listening to, like, some old stuff, like, a month out from the draft and going, we should be going crazy if we get Luka Doncic. But now that he's on your team, you're thinking about how does he fit in? How does all this work? Like, you know, we have to make him the best he can be. But you forget how excited you should be. Oh, yeah. You know? Because, I mean, he's... He was my best player in the draft. I Same. put out. I put out a draft guide <laughs> yeah. uh, leading into the thing where he was on the cover. Very good draft guide, by the way. Thank you, thank you. I mean, it's probably a large reason why I got this job, but <laughs> could be. Yeah, I remember we we read it in the office. Yeah, I remember that. Solid, yeah. um, and so, I mean, just watching two three hours. I basically just clicked on all the pick and roll possessions on Synergy, and said so load them up we will start watching him, and i watched watch, like, 300 one day and then watch, like, 400 the next day. And just... He's an awesome ball handler. Like, I don't think you can overstate how good of a ball handler he is. Um, the step-back three, I like it that he does it. I hope he irons it out. Like, that can be deadly. Because mm-hmm. over there, I mean... Dude, Harden scored 30 points a game because of that yeah. shot. hes He's got that weird, herky-jerky, like double hesitation on you to where he realizes you're off balance, hesitates on you once you overcompensate and like fall over. (laughs) And then he steps back and shoots the three, which is pretty fun. Um, He's just an exceptional feel for a dude that young. You don't realize like he's the youngest dude in this court. You don't realize he's six, eight exceptional feel like in between. And I watched all the pick and roll possessions. So I'm watching him use the screen, watching him how he gets into the paint. What do you do after you get into the paint? You know, uh watching whenever um taveras will dive or gustavo uh Eitan, is that i own i own my bad i'm so wrapped up in deandre aiden uh <laughs> gustavo Aiton, Deandre's, Deandre's forgotten brother. <laughs> yeah whenever those guys are open like he's getting you the ball like he's never gonna like just you know dribble the life out of it he's gonna make sure you get the ball he's just you don't watch a dude like that that often. You don't watch a dude at that age. And the in-between shots are really, really cool to me. Like if you're three, four steps inside the three-point line and the de- you think the defense has you stalled and you're like, no, nah, man, I got this floater down. I got this long, extended, left-handed, like, uh, teardrop that I can drop on you. It's just shots you don't see from a dude that age, mm. hardly ever. And Luca and Dennis are they're
1: different, right? Different play styles, different mm-hmm. speeds. It's kind of like almost like in, in the NFL whenever you got your power back and you got your speed yeah. back, like your your LT and your Natron Means.
0: What? <laughs> <laughs> I was going way back on you. That's way back. Oh my god.
1: Yeah. Scrolls like, and LT did a lot
0: of the same stuff.
1: Yeah. Well. Okay. So maybe like uh, Michael
0: Turner and work done. Brols. Where was Michael Turner before Atlanta? I think he was in San Diego. Yeah, he was in. San Diego. I think it was Sproul's and Turner yeah. for a little while. Okay, well, right. Right, you know, like Garrett Blunt
1: and Corey Clement or something. You know, just okay. B-
0: but Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry. Did you see that picture? <laughs> oh no, Derrick no, Henry is like two heads taller than Deion Lewis. Serious? Yes, dude, Derrick Henry is huge. He's a giant. Ja- he's like six two, like two f- yeah, fifty but he five. He had like an
1: eighty-yard touchdown run last oh, year. He's too. a he monster. Can, he can scoot.
0: He's a monster. we seeing seen him stand next to Deion Lewis. Is like funny.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so the thing in th- is in the NFL though. Only one of those guys gets the ball per play. Right. Like in Dallas, both of them. As are of right touch now. Yeah, as of right now. Double yeah. halfback pass. Now if they yeah, if they change the rules, add another ball out there. <laughs> now all of a sudden
0: you're God, that'd be great to have a <laughs> like you have one ball on the right right side of the field, one ball on the left side of the field. You just, you just can't cross the middle of the two field.
1: games of five on five and then the center in the middle is just like I don't know what that'd to do. That'd be so fun. Yeah. But uh you get both guys with the ball on the same possession. Yeah, man. So not only are you you know, you're gearing up for the guy who can kind of dance and sort of, you know, hesitate you and draw people off balance, mm-hmm. and then you swing it to the corner. Well, then you sling it over to Dennis, and Dennis can beat you on the first step, so you better be in position. Yeah. But you're not because Luke is blowing you to sleep, and then Dennis gets a ball and he's driving, and then you're, you know, it's just like man, the thing they is just, they can make you so dizzy.
0: Teams don't have defenders that can guard both those dudes. Mm-hmm. When you think of okay, I need like I don't know two to three 3 and D wings that are, like, like exceptional at their jobs. Like, that's why Boston is such, like, a freak show because they have four of those dudes. You can yep. just roll out there. You, teams don't roster the guy that can stay in front of Dennis every possession and the guy bigger than him who can keep Luka out of the post and keep Luka out of the paint. Mm. That roster doesn't exist. Yeah, but then if you're doing that, so say you do,
1: mm. say we found the mythical team that does have those two guys, but then you, gotta, you still got to put someone on Barnes. Yeah. And if he's smaller, Barnes is very good. Whatever, say what you want. Mid range shots, blah blah blah. He will destroy smaller players in the post. Yeah. He is excellent at posting up like six four guys. Yeah, and he's strong too. So if he, even if he's similar size, he's going to get the best of them. And Wes, if you're putting your four guy on him, you're not really hiding him because your four guy is going to have to run around and stop DeAndre, yeah, the and then Wes is going to drain a bunch of threes on you.
0: Yeah, it's just. So, when you look at what you what you attack with when you go to your your bag of golf clubs back there and you say okay most look look at the other team on their starting starting units they won't have guys they won't have a 5 that can stay in front of DeAndre keep him out of the paint a 1 that can you know lock down Dennis and uh you know a 3 or whatever you want to call Luka wing uh, they won't have a wing that can stay in front of Luka, keep him from shooting threes, and keep him out of the paint. That roster doesn't exist. Like yeah, that's I mean, I'm
1: thinking, like, recent example, the Lakers. Yeah. So they switch a lot. Lonzo's got good size. Josh Hart, really nice player. LeBron, obviously, is good. And then Brandon Ingram. Yeah. Which one of those guys are you putting on Luka? Which one of those guys are you putting on Dennis? And then is Ingram guarding Barnes? Because yeah. Ingram is pretty skinny. Barnes has some strength on him. I mean, like, you can kind of create your, and that's a team with a bunch of athletes, bunch mm-hmm. of young guys, yeah. long, and uh, and they were they were sneaky good last year on defense. Of the Lakers, even though they were playing a bunch of teenagers, but yeah. even then, you're giving up strength at that point. Yeah. you who's your big man? Who's right, who's, DeAndre, who's keeping you know? DeAndre from? Yeah, if is LeBron playing center? Because then that's uh, put, yeah. that's testing LeBron a lot, making him work a lot on that defense. That might be the only option. Yeah, and that's I a mean, team that has a lot of wings, that mm-hmm. has a lot of talent too. I mean, those are some. Really, really good players. They're gonna be tough to cover. Yeah, but they're you're, the Mavs are testing them now.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, there's not there's very few teams in the history, recent history of the NBA that would have a roster that could, that so, uh, you could roll out there and successfully say, I feel good about them giving hell to Dennis, Luca, DeAndre, Harrison, and Wes like consistently. Like that's like Spurs peak. Mm. You know, yeah, but, uh, it just doesn't exist. Like. I mentioned Boston, and I don't even know if they, if the defensive unit Boston would roll out. I mean, if Kyrie's starting, that I would go. You know, maybe they have an advantage. I don't. I just don't see it.
1: The games last season too, and and this is kind of like a don't sleep on West segment. I guess <laughs> we're talking about the guys that can that are gonna play make right. So yeah. Dennis, Luca, Barnes. If you have. One eye on them. You only got one eye on Wes. Yeah. His best games last season were when he was just, like, kind of floating around, mm-hmm. you know, and then taking three steps to his left whenever you're not looking at him, and all of a sudden he's wide open. Yep. You know, like, he's at his best when he does not need the ball to to do stuff. And he's not the quickest guy, but he's not running off screens. He's just standing there and then moving when you're not paying attention. Right. And, and if you got three pick and rolls going on, you're you're going to lose him. Mm-hmm. You're just going to lose him. And he's going to find his spot because he has the freedom to go wherever he wants to. You know? Yeah.
0: I mean, he's been working on ball handling yep. and, you know, his keeping his eyes up when he attacks into the lane and being able to throw a lob. Yeah. Um, which if you okay, – that's something we'd never account for is, okay, you get Dennis in a – pick and roll and the defense is scrambling one way and then luka another wing and Luca's coming off this uh this uh pick and roll situation and he's attacking and getting your defense off balance you never factor in okay what if Wes, if both those don't work and you kick it out to Wes, mm-hmm. and he gets his man you know out of position by a pump fake and then he's attacking the lane you always assume he's just gonna throw it up but if he starts playing with his eyes up and starts distributing the basketball like consistently like That's a yikes offense. Yeah, and making that play is as simple as catch, dribble, dribble. Yep,
1: yep. It's not like, yeah, you're just you know catch, diagnose. It's just simple. Yeah, it's it's simple and fast. Soft toss, right? Soft
0: toss in baseball, like it's it's something he can naturally do. Yeah. Um, it's coming along, and someone's already loosened the jar on the peanut butter, and you're just like, nope, done. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, it. There are a lot of players who can't make that play. Yeah. You know, yeah. There, there are a lot of like Houston last season. (laughs) They struggled in the playoffs because. Whenever they kick it out to Ariza with five mm-hmm. seconds left, it's just kind of like, oh, yeah. you know, this is the end of the possession. Yeah. Now, I mean, that's not taking anything away from Ariza. I love P.J. Tucker. Ariza's really nice.
0: Luke Mbamute is incredible. They wanted wanted Mbamute to do that a lot of the time, and his shoulder was so hurt that he couldn't even, like, raise his arm. Yeah. He's out there just playing defense, and he's like, yeah, if I need to dunk, I can't do it right now. (laughs) Yeah,
1: but, I mean, if if Luke is your Harden, Dennis is your Chris Paul, Mm -hmm. and then Wes and Barnes are your Arizas and your Mbamutes and your Andersons, then all of a sudden you're like – yeah. Those guys aren't just catch and shoot players. They mm-hmm. can they can make the one two pull up. They can, Barnes can post up your point guard. Like you, you can't just switch and win the possession against yeah. the Mavs anymore. There's
0: winnable scenarios and matchups just naturally out there in the court. Yep. Just waiting. Yeah. And these are all
1: like theoretical, kind of like uh, abstract concepts that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I understand why. I I don't know. I I don't want to do the whole they don't watch our team thing, but. I understand why people that cover the Blazers and cover the Warriors see the Mavs roster and see their record last year and think, oh, yeah, they'll probably just be, I don't know, 12th or 13th. Yeah. But these are, like, major concepts that Mm -hmm. other teams are doing that the Mavs haven't been able to do personnel-wise. Now they can. And they're also very talented. Yeah. So, you know, I, I could see, like, a huge, huge, huge increase in wins.
0: Yeah. I mean, the jerseys are the same. They're going to play in the same building. You know, um, 60% of the roster is still the same. But, I mean, a lot of minutes are going to guys that are going to change their DNA. Mm. I mean, if you don't think – Fundamentally. Yeah. If you don't think Luca's going to completely flip things on its head the second he can. Uh, and DeAndre the same way. Like – you could say yeah this is this is the win total from last year this team hasn't changed that much well to me it's changed a ton um just watching this team for you know 25 years i know how they want to play i know how that guy wherever he went wants to wants his team to look and they haven't been able to do it quite exactly right the last couple years and i feel like they can get back to that
1: yeah the last time they could they scored 113 points for <laughs> right. 100 possessions. Right.
0: You know? you know what you know what his offense yeah. should look like. That's like a very high bar, of right. course. And well, I'm they, just going to set it they there. probably won't get, yeah. yeah. 115. <laughs> yeah, to no dog. big deal.
1: Yeah, that's like almost impossible to achieve. No yeah. one has achieved it since. And probably, you know, maybe one day someone will. But, like, that is kind of what they were capable of the last time they had this, uh, this kind of team.
0: Yeah. Well, I think I've said everything I needed to say today. Yeah. Are you said impressed? we said
1: a lot of stuff. Uh, yes. Okay, I'm, good. I'm, I'm very impressed. Good. I would listen to a podcast that you were on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm that impressed.
0: Let's just split this up into three, three different ones, three different <laughs> ones, just trickle it out. <laughs> My goodness.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is pretty long, but whatever. Now, it's, the people, I mean, man. it's
0: the weekend. NBA fans are so great. Cause they, uh, they're super into podcasts and super into buying in for like listening to an hour of NBA talk. Yeah. So it's, And especially Mavs fans, like people love this stuff. So, are you a listen at one point five speed guy? I'm not. I listen to normal speed. Same. Because I usually listen when I'm driving, okay. And I catch about seventy percent retention rate already at normal speed. So I can't go. I can't crank it up. I know people that do that, Mm -hmm. and uh, I think they're called wizards. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It probably would make sense because I do listen to I don't know ten to twelve hours worth of podcasts a week. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like if I'm driving at all, it's. I'm putting on a podcast. If I'm at home and nothing's going on, I'll put headphones on and listen to a podcast. Because um, I mean, there's no reason. There's so much good stuff out right now. Like, really, like Sam Bassini's doing an awesome job. Nate Duncan and Daniel Larue. I listen to that all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I listen to and Skin before I worked here. Um, and I mean, there's Thanks, no. Buddy. Yeah, there's no reason not to. If you're super into this stuff, like you can be as in, as informed as you want to be. Mm-hmm. You know yeah for sure so anyway for sure that
1: information is out there alright well I appreciate it Mike yeah man thank you everyone for listening we will be back next week Uh, it is we're about a month out for media day the players are starting to trickle in we got uh, we got some pretty cool individual workouts going on over at Mavs HQ so they are ramping up hopefully we're gonna uh, meet some of these guys here before media day certainly on media day operation
0: best friends begins yes next week
1: yeah, if, if I'm not like hanging out with DeAndre every day, yeah. by the end of next week, then I have failed. It's failure. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, we're uh, we're gonna snag some of those players for you, hopefully here pretty soon, and, and get to know those guys. But uh, but yeah, thank you, Mike, again for joining me. Yeah, and, uh, It is numbers on the boards. We'll see you next week.